Harrison Price for Thursday, September 7th, 2023. Coming to you from the GoGo Sports Studio, built by Everly here at the Iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. If you're visiting Vancouver or you need a place to stay by the airport, we suggest the Western Wall Center YVR. Get some rest, relaxation in those plush, heavenly beds. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Ass, Hidden Switches, Conducting Things. And this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're at Applewood Nissan Surrey, Applewood, Nissan, Langley, and Applewood, Nissan, Richmond, in the Richmond Auto Ball. Why don't you try the 23 kicks from $65 weekly, the 23 Cash Kai from $76 weekly, or the 23 Murano from $135 weekly? Because as they say, Blake Price, it is all good at Applewood. I am uh, finding new use for my Infinity QX60. Because, as you know, we have family members moving here, so suddenly I'm doing a lot of transportation. Yes. My vehicle seats seven and has ample room everywhere, so it's come in quite handy. Thank you, Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Biggest curiosity at Canucks training camp. Brock Besser, Philip Ronick, Billy McKayev, Tanner Pearson. Vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog your source or YouTube. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. And Bodog, line of the day for me, I can't resist. I'm going with the home team. Canada minus five against Serbia tomorrow in the FIBA World Cup semifinal to get to the gold medal game on your Bodog line of the day. So much fun. Lots more on that. Yeah, uh, more on that coming up with uh, Arash Mandani, who is the only Canadian reporter on site there in Manila. I think that could change... For the for the next World Cup, certainly for the Olympics. You think if they win tomorrow, more? Oh, f- yeah. Mm. I thought you said someone no. was going to parachute no, in for the gold no, no. medal game. I just mean, boy, you'd almost have to leave now. You know, the, the, now I think we can start to say there are real parallel tracks of the Canadian soccer program for men and the Canadian basketball program for men. We're starting to see the successes on the world stage, mm. and it's allowing the Canadians to dream. Now, yes, basketball. Is they're a, getting more functional in basketball yes. and they're getting less functional. No, actually vying for titles. But, it's, you know, it's a smaller world. Basketball world's a smaller world, albeit bigger than hockey. Um, it's it's exciting. It's a lot of fun. It's the happy medium. Canada's now yeah. on the world stage, but they can actually win a world title as opposed to soccer. Yes. As for the poll question today... If I'm being literal, I think the biggest curiosity at Canucks training camp is Tanner Pearson because of the health of his hand and and whether or not we're still looking at an NHL player here. But I took a broader, bigger picture view on the poll, as I want to do on Canucks Matters. And I voted Hronick because, to me, he's the the biggest key of these four players. Besser and McCaff are important, don't get me wrong. But Ronick is the single biggest, most important player of this of this foursome. He's got to play top four minutes. They gave up a lot to acquire him. He's in a contract year. New market, new team. How does he adapt? There were some attitudinal issues after Moritz Sider came into Detroit and grabbed uh, a lot of his ice time or some of his opportunity. 
especially on the offensive side of the puck. And, of course, he's coming off an injury, too. So, for me, the Philip Ronick project is the most important one, and I cast my vote accordingly. I went with Mikheyev, um just to be a little bit different because it was between Ronick and, and Mikheyev for me. But I went with Mikheyev because of his importance to the penalty kill and his standalone speed that we think is going to be there now that he's had the surgery. We hope. Yeah. Um, to me, it, the difference between Besser and Mikheyev to me is this. You know, I'm not pessimistic on Besser, but mm-hmm. the odds are he, he's up against it to make big right. changes. So, so the odds are that Mikheyev can be more demonstrably different than Besser. So I'm, go- I'm, I'm going along with that. I consider Mikheyev as well, and for all the reasons you outlined, the fact that he's probably not going to play in the preseason, or if he does, it may just be you know a game towards the end, yeah. has left him in the silver medal position, if you will. Well, he, this he a, was my second choice. I mean, there's a chance. If they don't think he's ready for the preseason, I mean, there's a chance. Maybe do they conditional uh, condition assignment him down to the AHL to start the year? We talked about this when Milstein joined his agent last week with, with J-Pat, and if I'm not mistaken with PJ, but I could be... Yeah, I think it was with Patrick. That is there a world where he starts on LTIR? Now, that would mean missing the first month, which might be a little much. I don't think it's that. I think they might send him to the AHL uh, for a fitness assignment and um, and get you know play three four games there and then come mm-hmm. on come on back. That'll be it's basically a delayed preseason for him. Playing in the AHL would be his preseason. Right, come up in two weeks time, sort of thing. Well. I sure hope they're able to uh, manipulate and mitigate all these matters they have with health and potential, you know, salary cat implications. Just because, well, I was listening to someone the other day talk about how is it the Toronto Maple Leafs are basically able to assign people to Never Never Land, give us no update on their condition when they're going to be ready if their season's over or anything like that. Like Jake Muzzin, for example. Yes. Are they going to have to account for Jake Muzzin on their opening night roster? And it's five point six million. Is he going to be ready? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see what games are afoot when teams start. Because remember, the Canucks last year became the first team in Hart Levine's history at Puckpedia to actually forge a roster that was penny perfect to the cap. Right. Yep. So we'll see if they've got that in them here again. This is Once Upon a Time, the purview of Lawrence Gilman and and Chris Gear and others. You try and cut it as close as you can to the limit, and then you can get the full benefit of whomever you put onto LTIR to exceed the salary cap. Elias Pettersson has arrived in Vancouver. He's there at the informal skate with the Vancouver Canucks today. And speaking of Petey and his arrival, the Petey has landed. ESPN predictions. Did you see this? ESPN has Elias Pettersson as its predicted number three scorer in the National Hockey League this year behind only Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who are almost a cinch if they stay healthy for first and second because of what they're able to do together on that power play, not to mention the fact they have some other good offensive players on that team as well. And they're pretty good at even strength. And they're just playing. Really well, they're good. they're really really good on the offensive <laughs> so, side. So that of the stands puck. to reason. I, I just think circumstances will. It's not so much that he doesn't have the skill to do that. I just think the circumstances may prevent Elias Pettersson 
from doing that. And that is a coach that's going to be preaching a lot more defensive responsibility, mm-hmm. um, of which I think he feels that defensive responsibility anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not prone to take chances. And a guy like McDavid can take the chances and still get back and help defend um, because he's so damn fast. Right. Uh, Pedersen doesn't have that speed. So I, I don't think you can do that. I don't, you know, I, I don't see a path to that. He was 102 points last year. So just think of it in these terms. A 14-point improvement for any player would be like, wow, yeah. that's a great year. He was 10th in the league last year, which means and, – and 116 would have ranked third last year. Yeah, so he'd need another 15. So he, he would have to jump seven players and 14 points. Pasternak and Kucherov tied with 113 points for third last year. Now, like knowing what we know, if Bruce Boudreau was the coach that was coming in, I, I could see a world. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I can't imagine. I can't so, imagine. Tell me this. How does Pedersen get 116 points and they have Hughes projected well, for 67? Well, this, this is where I was going next, Grady. Yeah. For all the bouquets being thrown at ESP, uh, from ESPN at, at Elias Patterson, they have Quinn Hughes as nine points worse. 67 and 77 games. So the point per game is supposed mm-hmm. to drop, but Patterson's going significantly. And what's the he was 76 there. and 78 last year. Yeah. Do they just think that a new defensive system with Talkett is going to mean less offensive opportunity at even strength for Quinn Hughes? Or do they think that Ronick steals PP minutes? Do they think no. the power play is just a little less uh, potent with Beauvillier in the bumper if it's not Bohorat? If it is, in fact, Anthony Beauvillier, that stands to be determined. Uh, they had JT Miller at 81 points. Fine, that stands which, to Which, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, JT Miller has been a point-per-game player with the Vancouver Canucks. JT Miller was at 82 points last year. They have Kuzmenko with 75 points, and, and he was 74 last year. shooting percentage regression, then mm-hmm. he's going to be... But I think he could albums. be a more complete player yep. this year, too. So his goals could go down to 32, and his points stay about, you know... Yep. Maybe also, he gets as more assists. As we've talked about, like, it may not stay at 27, but I think this is the guy you bank on to maintain a pretty good shooting It'll percentage be high, yeah. because of the geography of where his shots come from. Yes. It's a yeah. lot of tips. It's a lot of backdoor plays. It's a lot of net front goals. And F- then finding your spot, finding mm-hmm. that soft spot on the ice to score the easier goal, that's that's a gift. I thought Russians didn't go to the front of the net. Hmm. Weird. Not You're reading from a 70s textbook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Crazy. You're reading from a textbook that actually predates you. And then there's the goaltender, Thatcher Demko, whom they have for a 9-10 save percentage. And remember, everybody, scoring has been up over the last couple of years. So 9-10 is actually a much better yeah. yeah, a much better save percentage, raw save percentage, than you uh, may have been accustomed to. Today's 9-10 is yesterday's 9-15. Kind of. Yeah. Demko's career is nine ten. Demko was just going to mention that Allmark uh, led the league last year at nine thirty eight. Although this was a a comet of a season, I think for Allmark and the Boston Bruins. But there were a good number of goaltenders over nine ten last year. In fact, nine ten isn't most flattering to Thatcher Demko. Like nine ten would have slotted him in at sixteenth or seventeenth in the league last mm-hmm. year, which is kind of. Mediocre middle of the now it doesn't 
account for quality of shot and the Kevin Woodleys of the world will tell you that David Quadrelli's of the world, those who follow goaltending. Exactly. We'll tell you that's not the best metric. Alas, this is what ESPN. Not all shots are equal. No. And on the Vancouver Canucks, based on their reputation, you have to think the quality of shot that the opponent is taking are uh, quite good. Mm -hmm. Quite good. Uh, News about Canucks first round pick Tom Wielander today. He was quote-unquote active for a couple of Swedish Hockey League games. He did not play in either game. In fact, in one, it's debatable whether or not he was even on the premises because he was playing in a junior game (laughs) on the same day. Nevertheless, the NCAA, of course, looks into all matters of professionalism quite seriously because you're not eligible for an NCAA scholarship if you have signed on to play anywhere professionally. So... He's going to miss the first game of the Boston University series in uh, season, and really, um, that's a big nothing burger. Yeah, it I, is. I, I'm not sure that's going to hurt his development in any way. Shape and it was game. somewhat forecasted as well. Um, I saw Cam Robinson said he had asked about him about this at mm-hmm. the draft, I believe, and they suspected this might get flagged in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, but in in this regard, uh, I'm a little bit shocked that the NCAA was this lenient, actually, because we know them to be quite fastidious in other circles, particularly football, about this, that, and the other. Um, Although someone's going to have to explain this to me, and I don't think there is an explanation how name, image, and licensing are now totally legal in the in the NCAA. But this is... Like you can sign on to play at the University of Miami or wherever, and boosters are allowed to fill up your coffers, and you're able to appear in television ads. And, yeah. And you can't be on just a piece of paper for a right. professional team. Half a world away. Yeah. That could affect your eligibility. So very, very odd stuff. Yeah. The Vancouver Canucks have made a new front office hire, and Blake, it's one that I'm really excited about for them. The team has announced Loring Finney as their new vice president of communications and community. It's a similar role to what Chris Brumwell held until about 18 months ago when he was let go by this new regime. Uh, It's a position that's going to report to Canucks president of business operations, Michael Doyle. We know Loring from our Bell days. He was the VP of corporate marketing for Bell for nearly 15 years. In fact, I would say that Loring was instrumental in the rise of the Whitecaps and MLS coverage across Bell Media, including TSN. He was an absolute champion for the sport, for the team here, for the partnership with Bell. And of course, Bell was the jersey sponsor for a number of years. Uh, We've come to know him a little bit over time, Blake. And you're talking about a superb communicator. Like, for example, we didn't have a whole lot of contact with people at the Bell executive level. It just didn't present itself. Exactly. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But Loring was a guy who got involved and we were the better for it. So as a communicator, as a people person, a bridge builder, he understands partnerships and sports and content. And I really think it would behoove the Vancouver Canucks and Canucks Sports Entertainment, who have been so lacking in this area for so long, to empower Loring to be the business voice of the club. Like, as we've talked about for years here, because Doyle, for whatever reason, does not speak publicly, and of course we know Francesco doesn't like to take questions either, there has been little to no communication from the business side of sports 
Canuck Sports Entertainment for some time. Yeah, and and the like press pre- releases are not enough in this world. The previous CFOs and CEOs have, have been out there and been visible. Well, we thought Jeff Stipek might be that guy, but lo and behold, he couldn't was, work with the Aquilinis anymore, and yeah. that was that. And Victor DeBonis previously, of course, right? got better and better as the years went on, uh, both speaking publicly. He, they had his, he had his falling out with Francesco. So, look, um, this could be uh, some of the salve for Canucks Sports Entertainment on some of the wounds that are out there with the community. I am, as mentioned, very excited about this hire. I I think Lauren, Loring, if empowered, is going to make the Vancouver Canucks a much more accessible and friendlier brand going forward. That would be my hope. Yeah. And, and because that's the type of guy he is. And I, I'm hopeful that, you know, and I, we've known him as uh, an independent progressive thinker. Let's, let's hope that that yeah. continues too. Sure. Hope so. You excited for the NFL? Um, I, 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 to be honest, like I, I'm not like, I'm not like on the edge of my seat for it to begin, but I'm glad that it is. And I'm sure it'll take a matter of days mm-hmm. for me to, to get to that point. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes will set a hook here tonight, somebody, and you'll say, "Oh my God, look at that play!" I saw he's got five or three straight opening nights with five touchdown passes. He is undefeated on opening night in his career with eighteen touchdowns and no interceptions. <laughs> the guy, he is a man of the moment, isn't he? Like, honest. Well, and it's astonishing for me because we have just come off. We've talked about this in the past. It's what a time to be alive if you're a sports fan given the number of goats, quote-unquote, that you've seen come through a multitude of sports. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about tennis here later in the program, which clearly has had some goats. Uh, To come off an era with Tom Brady and his seven Super Bowl rings, with Peyton Manning and all his records, particularly single season, with Drew Brees and all his records, and to think there might be a guy in their wake who gets there or is even better. Hard to believe. And he may not have Kelsey tonight. And no. in the two games he hasn't had him, he's only thrown 542 yards well, that's three it. touchdowns. You know, I was now, watch- they had Hill there still, but I, I was look watch- how good they were without Hill last year. It's like next man up, he just finds those guys no matter who it is. I saw NFL Network yesterday had the America's game on their Super Bowl championship team from last year as well as a, a documentary special with Andy Reid. And like remember, yeah, they began last year Tyreek Hill the fastest guy in the NFL, who was such a big part of their success, was shipped off to Miami for draft picks. And so you're looking at the receiving core and going, I'm not sure that's the same deep, you know, down the field receiving core. Maybe this doesn't suit Mahomes in that big arm. And he made it happen. Kelsey has missed only three games since 2014. Twice he was rested in meaningless week 17 right. matches. This boy, Kelsey, has been the real deal. I mean, he's and he got the, COVID once. He's in, the, he's in the conversation for greatest tight end ever, I think, going forward. Not only great, but again, has that availability well, ability. Exactly. Great which, is, which in football, oh, oh my God. Uh, especially at the skill positions, yes. too, right? You're yeah. going to take some licks. That position coming over the middle, some of the hits you take, whew. And super personal, too. He's got a great oh, yeah. podcast yeah. with his brother. Yeah, he does. Um, also, uh, and, and we'll talk about this tomorrow with Captain Bell. I am more bullish on the Seahawks than I was a year ago when I was mm. categorically wrong about how good they'd be. I thought they'd be terrible last year. And um, you're on notice for the first time in a lot of years. 
I'm a believer in my Chicago Bears. All right. Oh no. So be you. So get accustomed. There will be some chest thumping on Mondays going forward. Just, just oh, we'll send and you don't another you warning. Darely, don't you dare malign my team because all of that will be litigated. The only thing our listeners hate more than hearing about your fantasy football team is hearing about your actual football team. Funny enough, I drafted Fields as one of my quarterbacks. And that's a my wise move. He's going to have a thousand yards rushing again. I think we need a fine jar passes. for Bears updates. I, if we hit, if we hit Bears <laughs> updates on this show, by the way, so remember me. that one year I duped you and Andrew Wadden the entirety of the season. Yeah. That no. you thought I was seriously litigating all these things with the Bears when I was just posturing as the fan who always is looking out for media disrespecting their team. I don't believe that happened for a second. How about this from the Whitecaps? And I'll admit, I, I don't necessarily know everything that went into the season membership package this year or previous years. But next season, the Whitecaps are celebrating their 50th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And a season membership, first of all, it begins at $321. That's $17 a game. That's fantastic value. It's pretty good. That includes a minimum of 19 home matches, including every MLS match. You get the first home match for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, for the League's Cup, and the Canadian Championship. So already you're up to 22 matches here. You also receive complimentary tickets to Whitecaps FC 2 home matches, MLS Next Pro, and all Whitecaps FC home matches in League 1 of BC. So if you're the soccer aficionado who wants to go deeper than the MLS club and check out the up-and-comers and all that, you're gratis into all those games. You get a subscription to MLS Season Pass on Apple Television. Oh, where you can listen to the dulcet tones of Blake Price and Paul Dolan. And you get 15% discount on merchandise. And if you sign up before the end of the month, you get a special 50th anniversary season member gift box. Nice job, Whitecaps. Yeah, that's a, that's a good this value. Is, that's great value, and that's how you celebrate a 50th anniversary. Not just with bringing back people from the past and honoring them, which is, of course, part of it. Got to tell your history. Got to tell your story. But also making it attractive for the public to participate. And boy, have they ever done that. Well, I think what they've done is they've identified a hook-setting opportunity. We use this analogy a lot. They are an entertaining team. They cap are. Capable of beating anybody in the league, except for maybe Miami. We'll see when that opportunity presents itself. Um and, and so I think they're they're hoping. Hey, if we can, we'll take a bit of a bath on some of these seats next mm -hmm. season. But if they come and they see this, they will like it. And uh, also, as we've said, events beget events. You go to one game, it's a lot mm -hmm. of fun, and it's, there's a lot of people there. You're more likely to go to another game. So. I uh, hope it works. It's way better atmosphere when there's bodies in the building. Uh, we've said that about BC Place, where there's yeah. the Lions of the White Caps for a long time. On the baseball beat, both the Jays and Mariners are in wild card position as Thursday begins. Texas a half game back at Toronto in the wild card. Texas is really leaking oil here. They got destroyed by Houston last night. And, of course, that is a series that will go a long way in the ALS West. In the AL West, uh, Astros are looking stronger and strong, stronger here. Uh, Jared Kalanick nearing a return for the Mariners in the outfield. And then Jerry DePoto, their general manager, 
he goes on radio. He's asked about the recent bullpen stumbles and says, quote, I think they're pooped. I'm loath to judge performance when I know we are asking a ton out of them. Ah, you traded away Seawalt. Trade deadline came and went. You didn't add anybody there. So he's asked, well, how do you help the bullpen? He goes, well, score a bunch of runs and hope our starters pitch deep. The hope. He's just saying hope. <laughs> Which is Honestly. Yeah, he's there's going to be an easy chat like even if they lose in a wild card game, if, even if they get a wild card spot but lose immediately, it's a series now. It's 2 of 3, of course. Yeah. But, but if they don't get out of the wild card. Well, and they got out of the wild card last year. They beat Toronto. Yeah. But I think there's going to be a lot of criticism yes. if they don't get out of the wild card. Because you postured at the deadline like you're out of it or you're playing for another year. Yeah. And your clubhouse said, to hell with that. We think we're good enough. It's arguably the best starting rotation in the American League. Pitching goes a long way in October. And you quit on the team. By the way. And then you have the you you have the gall to come out and say we're asking a ton out of them. Well, yeah, you're asking a ton out of them. Because you didn't fortify a unit that virtually every playoff team goes out and fortifies by the trade deadline. Unless you think you've got a fleet of kids from the minor leagues who can come in and pitch in high leverage situations, it's pretty much formulaic now. If you're a contending team, you go out and add a bullpen arm or two by the deadline. Proven guys. On the other side, the Jays need to actually go on a bit of a streak here. Like every other team has gone on a win streak. Like the Jays need to when well, they face had the a Oakland A's yesterday, Blake, well, and lost thing. to a bad team. Like so. get a sweep. They haven't had a sweep. Well, they got Kansas City coming in now, but still, it's the Oakland A's. Yeah, they just faced a bunch of bad teams. The Guardians and like, like make get a sweep for God's sake. They haven't had a sweep in six weeks. Get a sweep. I'll say this. If they uh, if they want to save it for that four game set against Texas, that would be a good sweep. Yeah, that would be a good, sweep. Be a good yeah. sweep. Opportunistic sweep. Brooms out then. But remember, they got Boston right after that, mm-hmm. and they said there were one of their last sweeps was in Boston. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are going to be angry. Seas losing a walk off in Tri City. They spoil another terrific outing from Devereaux Harrison, their starting pitcher. We've told you the playoff game tickets, folks, are on sale at Canadians Baseball dot com. They have chosen to host games three. Then four and five, if necessary, of the Northwest League final. Game three is Friday, September 15th. And then you got the weekend, if necessary. All right, let's get to today's menu. We will speak with Rob Williams, Rob the Hockey Guy, our Thursday regular. We'll ask him who he thinks had a big summer. We'll ask him who his training camp curiosity is. We talk about Brock Besser and how the market is just rooting for Brock Besser with everything that he's gone through. In fact, more on Besser here in the welcome mat. A rat will get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter, including a huge gamble from the Ottawa Senators that's going to have an inflationary effect on the cost of young defensemen around the league. And we'll talk to Arash Madani, the only Canadian reporter in Manila with the Canadian national basketball team as they get set for their Friday semifinal against Serbia and potentially a gold medal matchup with the United States. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good 
at Upward. Visit them online anytime at Upward.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits and the Penticton V season well underway. Means it's time to visit the Neighborhood Watch. It's a vendor experience at the South Okanagan Event Center. Enjoy your favorite neighborhood beers while attending any event or a Penticton V's game. And Blake and I have been there several times. Fantastic vantage point. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. No scripted welcome at today. Instead, we are going to hear from Brock Besser, the Canucks winger, who met with reporters yesterday after their informal skates at UBC. And Brock has tended to be a pretty good interview over the years. He has tended to be a pretty honest interview, and he's tended to be a pretty uh, insightful guy who tells you how he's feeling. And in the case of yesterday, there were a few things that caught our ear. One that we had already reported, but here it is from the horse's mouth. Brock talking about the summer training changes he made this year. Take a listen. We'll come back discuss. Just working out wise, I you know with the team we talked at then last year, so I changed gyms and you know, tried something new. And um, I've been working really hard. I started starting the gym a little earlier. Um, I was skate, I've been skating hard, and um, you know I'm just trying to take it a day at a time. I'm excited to be out here early with the guys you know have yogi skates those are always uh, good skates to have so um i'm just trying to take it day by day and and get better each day you know that the new trainer that we got set up with is a guy that used to work in the nhl so um he's uh he was uh, a great guy uh for the summer and he you know he's really motivating and um overall it was a good time there take you back to what dan milstein told us last week when he uh, assigned a trainer to andre kuzmenko and said, the cardinal rule here is, you're not his friend. Mm-hmm. Kick his ass. Brock saying, talked with the team, and then got to a different trainer. I think the same logic would apply here. Yeah. Because the old trainer was a friend, is my understanding, and someone that Brock had been with for years, and let's face it, for years and years and years it worked, because he was a very good NHL player. He had made his way up through all the steps. As we have talked about, with some of the injuries he's endured over his career, plus the fact that he is not necessarily a great skater or first step quick explosive or anything like that, that in an ever-quickening NHL, you've got to keep up. So I think this is a very mature and appropriate decision from Besser. I would suspect that the agent Ben Hankinson was also involved in this. It may come summer too, too late in terms of his Canucks career and Canucks production and yeah. everything that the Vancouver Canucks need to see to keep him here long-term. But he's got this year. He's got next year on his contract. He has rescinded his trade request, request, as we all know. And we'll see if we've got a fleeter Brock Besser here, and we'll see if we've got a Brock Besser who's a better defensive player, able to keep up more, 
and perhaps chip in more than he has the last couple of years offensively. Yeah, be optimistic, Canucks fans. I, I, I think there will be something noticeable, whether or not it's transcendently noticeable, whether or not it makes us think again that Brock Besser could be a leading goal scorer on the team. I mean, we're going to have to reserve judgment. And that's yep. not to be pessimistic. It's just to be realistic. It is oh, hard. No question. It's hard as a an established veteran to all of a sudden pivot, change your ways, and become a different player. But mm-hmm. as we have seen, and Bo Horvath is the most shining example of this, yep. it's not impossible. So we'll see. He's the longest tenured Canuck here. And his career high in goals remains 29 in his second season, done in just 62 games, three quarters of a year. He came one shy of his career high in points last year at 55. That was set in his third season, 56 points, but that was in 69 games. So year one, two, three, Brock Besser, that's the guy that effectively needs to come back here for this club. Uh, Let's hear from Besser, and he's speaking for the group here, and good on him. They're sick and tired of all the losing. Take a listen. You know, I think we're all just sick and tired of, you know, having these expectations and not following through. And, um, you know, Todd came in here and, you know, he, he pushed us even even though we were in the playoffs. He kept pushing us each and every day. And um, it's important to, to come in better shape. And, um, you know, he told us all that the guys that were returning that, you know, camp's going to be really hard this year. So um, he warned us. So we'll, we'll see how hard camp is. Yeah, it's a new coach. You got to be ready. You got to be on your toes first camp um i you know again rick talking has got some old school tendencies he's got some new school thoughts too but he's got mm-hmm. some old school tendencies and amongst sort of that old school thinking has been not for talking i'm just saying generically have a hard training camp yeah show who's boss is to instill those those work habits and those processes early on so it's gonna be a lot i know you and and jeff disagreed with me last year and look I think the wisest course of action last year would have just let the team burn and get as high a draft pick as you could. But when they made the move to talk it for the final quarter of the season or thereabouts, this is one of the benefits that you have a head coach that already has some familiarity with the players and knows who needs to pick it up and who needs to pick it up in the summer mm-hmm. and is able to instill a culture from the beginning of the offseason onwards, not from the beginning of training camp onwards. So this should be one of the talk and benefits. This should be something where the Canucks finally reap, and that's players coming into camp in exceptional shape, understanding that there will be consequences from the coach who left them in no uncertain terms with a message going in the summer, you've got to be better. Yeah, and for the guys that were there, um, that will be helpful. I think players know, and will you know, if if he was hired in the off season, I think he would have had enough conversations that players would have had a pretty good idea anyway. But they would not have undergone his practices. They would not have had him standing before them in the room as a group as the new leader. That would have all been training camp stuff. Yeah, except, I do think there's some merit. Except that more than half of the defense corps probably will not have had those practices. Fair. Um, you know, key guys down the middle, Bluger and Suter, uh, will not have had those practices either. So that was that was the contention. For well, those- Bluger had some in Pittsburgh, albeit he was an assistant, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, lastly, here's uh, Besser, who's uh, learned his lesson on the prediction game. 
I think I kind of flipped the page at you know at the end of last season, and you know I let everyone know how I felt about coming back, and you know out of from that that point on, it was really out of my control, and I'm just really happy to be back with these guys, and um, you know I love it here, and I feel like I've expressed that a lot. So um, you know I've I flipped the page, and I'm just focused on this year now. You know, obviously the last couple of seasons have been tough, and you know I think you all know I'm not going to sit here and promise you anything anymore. I just got to take it day by day and improve myself to you know not just you guys but you know my teammates and in the city and that's a very important last sentence i think he uses the word proof he feels like he has something to prove to fans yeah. and media the teammates and his organize in the organization and i think that's another sort of indication here of the ongoing maturity of brock besser and the ongoing improvement of brock besser the downside is, is i don't think jeff's going to get that gold clip this year of a goal number prediction. It yeah. sounds like he is uh Don't bother asking. Straight in fact, away I, from I think I heard J-Pat snickering in the back yeah. of actually <laughs> yeah. when he said, not going to make a prediction here. That serves as welcome at to today, and we invite your feedback, feedback channels, as follows on email, live at securesomeprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter. I'm at Secures, at Secures and Price, and the welcome at a presentation of, of Great Clips, the official hair salon of the NHL. Visit greatclips.com today. Find a salon near you. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. Head to the Richmond Auto Wall. It's Applewood Mitsubishi. And it's the Outlander that you need to test drive, folks. Get behind the wheel of a vehicle that can do it all, not Huge, but three rows of seats. And yet you can still park it in every single mall that you get to. It's just about <laughs> perfect for Vancouver That's driving. That's a great point because I found myself in the parking garage of VGH last week visiting a friend. And I could not get over how tight some of the spaces are in there. Yes. Like, I was thinking, all the intelligence on that property, and look at how tiny these spaces are. Some of the pillars are so wide, you can barely even fit a car. I think they were very hopeful way back in the day that cars were shrinking, electric age, all that sort of thing. But they they haven't really shrunk much. There are smaller cars, but um, this is the perfect size. Yeah. Get behind the wheel of a Mitsubishi Outlander. See what it can do for you, folks. Fabulous appointments and great fuel efficiency, especially with the plug-in hybrid. Check it out at the Richmond Audible, Applewood, Mitsubishi. Bodog poll question today. We are asking you, biggest training camp curiosity for the Vancouver Canucks? Is it Brock Besser? Is it Philip Ronick? Is it Ilya Mikheyev? Tanner Pearson, feel free to go off the board. Reply with other. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Of course, vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. And Bodog line of the day for me, I mentioned to you last month, I think at a terrible AFC South, the Houston Texans might be a little better than some people think. I think CJ Stroud was, Stroud was probably the most NFL-ready of the quarterbacks that were drafted. I like the running back there in Houston. And I think they're going to play really hard for new coach D'Amico Rods, who I think is a fantastic hire for that ball club. So I'm going to take 10 points, thank you very much, in Baltimore against the Ravens. A Ravens team that, as we know, tends to rely on the running game and Lamar Jackson and may have some issues at corner. And when they've had issues in the corner uh, on corner at the corner in the past, they've given up points. So give me the Texans plus 10 
on your Bodog line of the day. Rob Williams, Rob, the hockey guys, the national sports editor of the Daily Hive and their offside sports vertical. Mr. Williams, how are you? Doing great, fellas. How are you? Fantastic. Ho- hockey Fabulous. season. I can smell it in the air. Yes. So when does it start for you then to ask uh, the poll question we were asking on Tuesday? Well, I was on the ice in late August, so but no, yeah, I feel like it's it's kind of now, like kind of like it's, you know, first day of school, but I, I, I feel like we're out of the dog days of summer and now we're into like rehashing everything from last season that mm-hmm. feels kind of relevant again because, you know, the, the season's just around the corner. Want to mm-hmm. get in the mood, walk into a hockey store and oh my goodness, oh, yes. the, your head will be mm-hmm. spinning with activity. <laughs> Busy these days. I, I'm on the ice for my first men's league game tonight though, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, overlook that big game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, it's definitely big. Well, for you, hey, big two points. Big two right? points. Yeah. Uh, points at, now, same as points later. Right. right. Yeah. Canland or right. wherever it is you're, you're playing. So you're not suspended for a game like Tom Wheelander? You were allowed to play in the first game of the season? <laughs> no suspensions. I'm, 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 I'm better now. As I've aged, I, I, I stay out of the box more now as I've gotten older. <laughs> so you retain eligibility. Good yeah, to hear. That's good. Williams. <laughs> um, Hey, you uh, you guys followed up on our Monday Labor Day show with Piero Minetta. The guy's been sitting behind the visitors' bench at Rogers Arena for twenty years. Every Canucks fan knows the face, and we decide, you know what? Like we had an intermediary who knew the guy, and we said, let's tell this guy's story because I think it's one that's lacking out there. And I understand that Daily Hive readers were particularly interested in Piero as well. Yeah, guys, I love the the holiday shows are just awesome. Juggy was great as well, and and I always uh, tune into those. Yeah, like, this is, kudos to you guys for finding him. Like, this is like (laughs) a guy that I, I never really considered trying to find. But yeah, it's like, it's like a guy that everyone knows, but nobody knows anything about. And everyone sort of has, you know, has said whatever they've said about him. Um, so yeah, I just thought that it was a, a, a funny perspective of, in terms of like, you know, no, you know, him knowing what everyone has said about him and dropping the thing that everyone thinks he was in the, in the mafia and stuff like that. I thought that was, that was fantastic. And then, uh, yeah, we had some readers that were like, oh yeah, uh, saying he's not in the mafia is exa- exactly what somebody in the mob would say. Yeah. And, <laughs> You know, like, so all those kinds of things. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, no, I I got a kick out of it, and our our readers did too. And then right down to the innocent of, we got a lot of comments saying, we've watched his kids grow up there, (laughs) Uh, from having the big headphones on when they were young to the walking, talking. And I love that you had a screenshot, too, where you circled his face (laughs) behind there to to show people what you're talking about. But, yeah, like, uh, I, I thought it was interesting just he... I don't know what I thought he was going to sound like, but that wasn't it. Like he yeah. just sounded like, a, you know, just such a, a you know, just a regular, a guy, you know, a a guy. regular yeah. Joe, like yeah, you said. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, th- I, th- I thought that was, that was great stuff. Well, and we've gotten a ton of feedback from all sorts of people who saying, you know, thank you for finally unveiling uh, Piero and, and who he is because he's a sweetheart of a guy. <laughs> and sometimes... good, good East fan, he's a good East fan guy. There you go. I, I knew it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, summer. Talk and talk so much of it in the exit meetings last April and sending players off into their offseason. We were talking about this yesterday, Rob. Who do you think amongst the players, like who would you have a lot of faith and confidence and trust in that they heeded coach's word and went out there and had a big summer? Certainly sounds like it's Brock Besser, doesn't it? Like 
like he's here early. He's, you know, talking about all the different changes he made in the summer. I mean, if there's a guy that's motivated to come back and, 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 you know, kind of regain his, his, a bit of his old uh, former form, I think it's Brock Besser. Now we said something similar last year, the 30 goals, he was motivated. Then, then there was an injury and, and all the rest. I still, I feel like I'm higher on Besser than most. I, I, I still think that there's more there. I don't think that the guy that we've seen the last couple of years is the guy that we're going to see this year. I think we're going to see an uptick from Besser. And I think that, uh, you know, making changes in the summer and really being committed, I think there's probably nobody more than, than Brock Besser this offseason. Uh, I think he's a guy that has a lot of pride. He has a lot of talent. And, and I, I think he's going to be uh, coming in very motivated this season. How quickly do you think the hook gets set? By by Besser into the fans with a decent start. He's got four goals in eight games, and are people deifying Brock Besser once again like they did when he was a rookie? Absolutely, people yeah. love. I mean, people they want to not, love him, don't they? They want to love him. Pull, how yeah. can you not pull for him? Right, yeah. like like his whole story. He's been here forever. Like everyone, you know, knows what he's been through. Um, the hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the hair. And then just, you know, and, and even things well, like, you know, like last year saying he's going to score 30 goals. I think fans eat that stuff up. Uh, he's always really, um, you know, great with the media. And I think that that translates to the fans as well. They see how open and honest he is about mm. things. And he's, you know, he's being like vulnerable, I think, in front yeah. of us. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and, and so that's a guy that, that you want to pull for, right? And on top of all that, gents, he was the first. Yes. Before fans could hang their hat on Petey or Hughes or Demko. Yeah. He was the first or, and He was the first member of the core. And look, we've had the debate about whether he is still a member of right. the core. But he was the first guy that provided hope during what were some really dark, awful days filled with a lot of boring hockey. And he was not a boring player when he arrived you know, from the very first game in Minnesota. So uh, I'm with you, Rob. I think the market is pulling for Brock in a huge way and it would be a hell of a comeback story if he was able to get to 30 goals and be that frontline offensive contributor that everybody hoped he would be after that sensational rookie season. Answer me today's poll question. What's the biggest training camp curiosity for you? Is it Besser? Is it Tanner Pearson and his health? Is it Kronik? Is it Mikheyev? Where are you going on that? Yeah, I, I think that there's... I, I, if you could say like as as a if you could group three players together, I think it'd be their their new <laughs> like top four defensemen that they've all brought in: Ian Cole, Carson Soucy, and Philip Pronick. Given that we didn't really see uh, the best of him last season, I think that there's that group as a whole. Like, can they fix the back end? If we're talking about a singular player, it might be Pew Suter. Um, the difference in this team, if they have a stability at third line center, is, is going to be. Uh, such a difference, I think. So, yeah, those two, I, I, I mean, it's those defensive, you know, def- defensively important roles that, like, can they just, you know, it, it, it's the 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 guys that are going to be able to prevent disaster. You know what I mean? Like prevent <laughs> multiple goal <laughs> leads being given up like they were at the beginning of last season. So uh, for me, those are the, the guys that I'm going to be really having my eye on. I, I wonder about the entertainment value of this team. It was, you know, it's been entertaining to watch the highs and lows of this team. Blown leads, leads, you know, leads uh, washed away by their own offense. What, what do you think the entertainment value is going to be like of this team this year? Do you think it'll be a little less? I think fans would gladly see a little bit 
more boring hockey if it leads to more W's this season. But, but, but only <laughs> if, though, right? Like, that's the thing. Like, if yeah. it leads to more yeah. wins. If they're still a 500 team, yeah, but no, less I, entertaining, I don't know that people will be satisfied with that. I think there's going to be less fire wagon hockey. Like, there has to be, right? Yeah. But I do think, ultimately, in, in pure hockey terms, are they going to be less entertaining? I think so, but I think that they sh- it should lead to a few more wins and and if you know i think that fans are going to find that uh you know pretty exciting on their own if they can if they can pull it off yeah. Yeah. If they're both bo- if they're both boring and bad that's the worst of yes yes uh <laughs> so long as they win more games i think people will deal with a uh, downtick in goals if that mm-hmm. comes to pass with coach Tockett and his structure and his system rob we had a great summer together buddy all right. That was a big, big summer with Rob Williams, who rode with us throughout. Thank you for that. And we will catch up next week. So here's some price from All Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. Hashtag best and worst with Twitter.com brought to you by Jason Hominick of Jason Dodd Mortgage. And when you contact Jason, Hominick, you actually speak to Jason himself. There's no middleman. There's no staffer taking your call, responding to your emails. Jason himself with the best advice on mortgages. Get that personal touch from an expert that works for you and not the bank. Find him at Jason.Mortgage. Big day in the PWHL is uh, you could argue maybe the two faces of the league were announced onto their official teams at Haley underscore Salvian. Of the athletic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's official. PWHL Montreal has signed Marie Philippe Poulin, Laura Stacy, and then Rene Debian to three year contracts. Following that up, PWHL Boston has officially announced its first three signings Hillary Knight, Megan Keller, Aaron Frankel. They're all signed a three year deal. So uh, MPP to Montreal, mm-hmm. Hillary Knight to Boston. Sort of the hometown squads for both of them. Well, uh, Hillary we, Knight spent a lot of time growing up in New Hampshire. So. And we, you know, we foreshadowed this when we were talking about the creation of this league. First of all, the amalgamation of competing leagues, the creation of the league, that geography would matter here. Yeah. Because you're not talking about the sort of money that would allow people to, um, you know, play too, too far from home. You, you see it in the CFL a little. Mm-hmm. You know, typically BC guys like to play for the Lions because it means one residence. It doesn't mean setting up a secondary residence wherever you're playing six months of the year. So... Not surprised on uh, any of that. And just an easy marketing thing, too, right? You you know you'll oh, get course. extra fans of having course. Hillary Knight as a, as a Bostonian. You'll get mm. extra fans with uh, Marie-Philippe in Montreal. At Offside DH, quote, Today is a bittersweet day. Ex-Canucks defenseman Michael Del Zotto retires. DJ MDZ. 768 NHL games. A little bit of trivia here. 700... In 68 NHL games, how many with the Canucks? Mm, 35. Grady? No, more than that. It was two-year contract. Are you looking at him? No. Okay. I'm just going off memory. I didn't think uh, he played much. Let's go 120. 105. Because eh. he, he was in that era where they just had nothing on the back end, and you knew what you were getting with him. And he still couldn't get in every night. Except in 2017, 2018. He almost did. 
He played no. all 82. No, yeah. he didn't. Yes, For he the did. Canucks? Jeff. I was absolutely astonished when I saw that because I have recollection of him being a regular. I do not have recollection of him playing all 82 for the Canucks that first year, but sure enough, he did. Jay Pat tweeted about it yesterday. Wow. My hat tip. Six goals, 22 points that year for the Canucks. Playing all 82. Right. Not a chance I would have guessed that. And as our buddy Rob Williams reminisced, it was Del Zotto who drew the penalty against the Coyotes to set up the storybook finish for Hank and Danny was in the final huh? home game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, happy trails to MDZ. The Hits King, as Botch used to refer to him as. <laughs> <laughs> At the tennis letter, Daniil Medvedev says Carlos Alcaraz is beatable. Just like Djokovic and Nadal are, the mm. quote is he has every shot, he has every power compared to other players. Maybe 97% of the players. It's tough for them to hit the ball through me. I'm always there, always running. He can do it just because he has this power. We see it. 100-mile-an-hour forehand winner and stuff like this. Some players, even if we try, we can't do it. He has every shot in the game. But you can't always beat players. People beat Novak. People even beat Rafa and Clay, which is almost impossible. It's the same about Carlos. Every time I'll play against him, I'll be trying to win. This is particularly notable, folks, because Carlos Alcaraz is 20 years old, and they're talking about him like, yeah, if we try really hard on our best day, we might be able to beat him. Coming off of this epic generation of the three-headed monster of Djokovic, Federer, and Rafa, Mm -hmm. there's a new guy here who might be just as good as all of them. And that's Medvedev. That's top, Medvedev. That's a former U.S. Open champion talking. Oh, he's top five in the world. Like oh, easy. Yeah. Easy. We are staring down the barrel of another Alcaraz-Novak final if yep. they can both advance. Yeah. Djokovic has now surpassed Federer in most semifinals reached at Grand Slams. And the number is something stupid, like 46 or 47. <laughs> like, think of that. It's like 12 years of being in the semifinals. The dominance is unbelievable. Uh, uh and as we have talked about, this U.S. Open has some panache now on both sides of the draw. The women have had some really lopsided quarters here, but but there's a but there's been a handful of women who have been that dominant. So eventually they're going to face each other. Well, and, and Goff and Keys are really on their game, yeah, uh, totally. as well. So this this is Sabalenka too. This could be a lot of fun here in the semifinals of the U.S. Open from Flushing Meadows at Frank underscore Saravelli. The Senators have signed defenseman Jake Sanderson to a Whopper extension, eight years, eight point five million for a total of sixty four point four million that kicks in during the twenty four twenty five season. So not even this year. Ottawa has their core completely locked up. Sanderson will be the fifth player on the roster in the eight million dollar range. I guess Shane Pinto doesn't qualify as their core because he's an unsigned, uh, unsigned restricted free agent. They may have to move money around to get him re-signed to the type of deal that he's looking for to play on their third line, center their third line. Shabbat, Sanderson, Stutzla, Kachuk, all signed long-term. But you and I were talking, Blake. This is a hell of a bet on Sanderson. He's got great amateur pedigree. Big kid, fifth overall pick in the 2020 draft left shot defenseman and had a very nice rookie season playing in 77 games and and, um, producing 32 points. I may have wanted to wait to see what Morris Anderson does in a sophomore year before going to 8 million a season from now. 
Pierre Dorian is very much under fire there because he has been there a long time, overseen a lot of losing, and of course now has new owners to impress. And there's a lot of people who believe the new ownership group there has their own management team and coach that eventually will come on in. But he is doing everything to convince them that, look, this is my core and I've got them locked up. And we'll see how this plays it, out. It's a huge gamble. Uh, somebody, it also has an inflationary effect. Like suddenly, you a uh, high pedigree defenseman, you have a good year. Your agent's going to be looking for the eight million dollars Sanderson deal. Yeah, it, no, it's a, it's a it's a precedent and a half here by them doing this. Um, it could be an absolute stroke of genius. Like there is a world where if this kid develops over the next two years, for the back half of this deal, that will be a steal. If they've got a top two defenseman for $8 million a season, five years from now, right. that's going to be a steal. And Blake, it is, all, it is so illustra- illustrative of how good the Hughes extension was at 7.85. Yeah. And, of course, brings regrets on what could have been with the list that summer as well. Yeah. But Jake Sanderson, as of next year, will be higher paid than Quinn Hughes. <laughs> yeah, hard to believe. And that's hashtags for today. Canada basketball on the eve of playing its most consequential game in nearly a quarter century. There is one Canadian reporter in Manila telling the story. We're pleased to welcome Sportsnet's Rash Madani here to secure some price. Rash, how are we doing? So I had to go all the way to Southeast Asia to come on your show? That's is it. That, that That's it. Yeah, That's you had to be the only option for us, Arash, before we would call you. nine time zones away from you two to come on show. Yeah, well, thank you for staying up late uh, because the you schedule hasn't exactly been easy for us back here in North America. You were at the Canadian practice mirror hours ago. Uh, how do they look? What's the vibe around the team heading into the semifinal tomorrow against Serbia? You know, it's in. You know, it's interesting, guys. Um, go back almost a week, Sunday. They're playing Spain for a spot in the Olympics on the line. And there was angst. And they were tight. And it felt like all the stakes. And uh, honestly, since, it just it's not that it feels like they're playing with house money. They're just like, all right, we got that out of the way. And now it just feels like it's a runway for them. You know, like they, they, they beat Luka in Slovenia by double digits. And they like kind of celebrated a little bit. And the point Kelly Olenek uh, made today, he said, our goal wasn't to win the quarterfinal game. Our goal is to win the whole damn thing. So it's, um, it's about figuring out defensively how they're going to handle Bogdan, Bogdanovic. And Serbia's got a seven-footer and a ton of size, and Canada doesn't have a ton of size. So how are they going to deal with things on the glass? So I guess the vibe is business. Does it Let's sound get like, it done. Does that sound like a different foe than what they've played throughout the tournament? Like, is there a comparable team that they've already faced and slash overcome? Kind of France going into it, we thought, with Rudy Gobert, and then they beat France by 30 because the French surrendered like it was 1940. Um, <laughs> outside of that... <laughs> France lost by four by thirty. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, outside of that, guys, no. And 
Here's the thing that's been so interesting is that Canada's here because Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort have just been ridiculously ruthless defensively. And that's allowed them to really start to run, create transition opportunities. And by the fourth quarter against Spain and against Slovenia, those two teams were running on fumes. They had nothing left, and Canada did. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if on Bogdanovich they actually go with Nikhil Alexander-Walker more because he brings a lot more length, he brings a lot more athleticism, and it's not going to be as much about physicality and wearing down Bogdanovich as it is about just closing out on him. Two defensive op, uh, options, um, it, you know, it has been said on this team with Brooks and and, and Alexander Walker as, as sort of shut down guys. What, what do you say about what Dylan Brooks has become on this team? It's, you know, I, I don't know that careers are changed at World Cups, but, you know, from our lens here through Canada, I mean, it seemed like he was he was sort of left out in the past year after the NBA season that was. And now, um, I mean, I, I don't think NBA teams could help but notice what he's doing at this tournament. Well, it, it's he's the ultimate narrative guy, right? Yeah. So first it was no team's going to touch him after how things went down the playoffs with LeBron, et cetera. And then the Rockets gave him 80-something million dollars. Because Dylan Brooks, from an NBA standpoint, may be an asshole, but he's your asshole when you sign him. And he's exactly what you want. Now he comes here. Now he comes here. And absolutely, Blake, I agree with you. Like He is proving, I think, to the basketball world, maybe not necessarily NBA fandom, but that the villain narrative has given way to this MF can defend and he doesn't give in. Like his, his engine, his motor is nonstop. And I asked him today, I said, like, what is, what's allowed you to just thrive over this last month? And he said, look, I like the challenge. He said, I love the new game that FIBA brings. But this was the line that got me. He said, uh, when you can make your opponent second guess himself on the court because of how you're defending him, he just kind of stopped and paused and just grinned. He looked at me. And he said, "Hard to think of anything better than that." Like you can say whatever you want about Dylan Brooks, yeah. right? like the act, the shades, the LeBron stuff, whatever. But this dude is a competitor. He's a winner, and he never stops working. And if you think about why they beat Spain, yes, Shea is world class, but it's Brooks. It's Brooks over and over again who keeps showing up on tape. And every Dylan once in a while, he, every and, once in a while, he can knock down a logo three pointer well, as well. He hit three threes in that <laughs> yeah. Spanish game uh, down the stretch that were very important. So, and, and you know, you look at the history of NBA champions and guys like Rodman and Bruce Bowen who were not fun to play against. If I can use a like there's yeah. you know a lot of championship teams have that sandpaper element defender and brooks has been exactly that and guess Canada. what he got thrown out of the game in the fourth quarter fine guess who else was thrown out of the game that's Luka it right like so when luke is yep. not there um and not not because of this i thought this was really interesting jordy fernandez canada's coach spaniard grew up in the fiba game coached on the spanish national team staff he called what Brooks did against Luca a defensive clinic 
And he said that performance should be in the FIBA Hall of Fame. I thought that was yeah. really interesting what he said today. Well, and Brooks for Doncic, you you take that trade anytime. Sure. Uh, if we're talking about ejecting ejecting players. Yeah. I was gonna ask you about Gilgis Alexander Rash and Look, I think he is taking on bigger, larger profile coast-to-coast from a Canadian standpoint, but I get a sense there's a lot of people in the NBA and throughout the basketball world who are also learning just how great a player Shea Gilgis-Alexander is. Well, did Lucas say after the game that he's one of the best players in the world? And and, and it sort of feels like that. He is. Like, Hmm. here's the thing. I, I never knew where I stood on this about market size and market location. Um, because of the social media world, because of the star power, whatever. And I think where Shea has really taken a backseat is because not only is he in that hellhole Oklahoma City, but because they're just the Thunder are just so dreadful. So, like, you're never seeing him play, and yet he's all NBA first team. Like, there's, there's literally no debate. He is one of the top five, ten players in the world, and – you know, from a Canadian standpoint, only one other dude ever has been all NBA first team. Um, I think you two know who I'm talking about. The other BC mm-hmm. guy um, who had himself a little bit of a career. Um, like, Shea is not just a, a world-class star. Like, he's a megastar. He is face of the franchise material. The heartbeat just stays the same. When it comes to taking over a ball game down the stretch, it's him. And his efficiency is through the roof. Guys, he had more offensive rebounds and defensive rebounds yesterday. It's just, there's, you know, the step back in a clutch spot against Spain, the bench goes crazy and Shea's just like, okay, let's just calm things down. He's everything that the elite in any sport are, from the makeup to the big game moments, all of it. And once he gets the hell out of Oklahoma City and he goes into a real market and they start winning some games, um, the whole world's going to take notice. I wanted to ask you about the aforementioned Jordy Fernandez, their head coach, because for those of us who have covered international basketball, it's a really tough gig. You're yeah. managing a whole lot of egos and you're managing a whole lot of guys who think they're going to use international basketball as a springboard to help their professional career. So this manifests in a lot of different dynamics, a lot of them not very healthy for a basketball club that has a short period of time to centralize and gain chemistry or rash. And yet Jordy seems to have them playing roles. He sees, seems to have them playing together. Um, tell us about this boxing analogy that he's been using with the club because he's done a fantastic job on very, show nor, very short notice of bringing this group together. I, I will do that in just a moment. But I, this, is what, this is what has stood out to me. I covered training camp the first week of August, and I've been with these guys since they arrived here. And they have bought in. There is no question. First day of camp, Fernandez said, if we don't have a defensive first mentality, if we don't go all in on defense, we're selling ourselves short. Everybody's bought into that. Everybody's bought into roles, yes. But they're doing it because they all want it. They all like each other. They grew up and came up together. And they they all have talked about, we did sit downs before the team left. And the way these dudes talked about the Olympics, it was like this, like, 
this thing that has been they've obsessed over for a long time. Um, and they realized this was the summer. This was the time. This was the best shot that all of them, even with Jamal, could do it. And so then you bring in a brand new coach, you know, late after Nick Nurse um, went on to Philly. And I don't think Jordy Fernandez would work with this group for 82 games the way he rides them. But because they all want it, and because the vets, like Olenek as a captain and Dwight Powell, who's been through it, and because they've fallen on their face so many times, they're like, all right, we can do this for six weeks. And we give a shit about one another. And nobody's looking, like, no one's going to get paid um, as a result of this World Cup in the NBA market. And no one on this team, amazingly, <laughs> professional basketball players, professional athletes, are caring about what I'm getting out of this. They're not caring about me. And I think that's one of the most remarkable things to watch unfold how unselfish this group has been through this entire run and how badly they want to win. They they look like they all want to be there, which is just tremendous. And you think about uh, and you know, that they're playing for a bigger constituency yeah. as well, like you know that they're playing and, for and, a country. That's you know, been pronounced. They've got Andrew Wiggins tweeting about it. They've got Jamal Murray, who we know would like to be there if he was in full health and ready to roll, and will be there for the Olympics. It does make you kind of dream about what the Olympic roster might look like we, it might get better, you know, if, if we can get all hands on deck and everybody is healthy and ready to go. Um, I do wonder if we might allow our minds to wander a little bit in this tournament. Like, if Canada... Stop you with one thing. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Last night, one of the most incredible things I've seen. So, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's on the floor. He comes off the bench. He's drawing the Doncic assignment. And Melvin Edgem, uh, shout out Iowa State, Big 12, Big 12 dude, we had a little chat. Player of the year one year, if I'm not mistaken, in the Big 12. Just awesome. Um, he's a he's a FIBA player now. You know, plays overseas, whatever. He is a he is an off-the-bench role player, etc., but he's a vet. He's a vet. And so my position is actually unbelievable. Like I'm with the photographers directly at the end of Canada's bench, between the hoop and the bench, right on the baseline. And Edgem starts screaming at Nikhil who's on the opposite end of the floor, and Alexander Walker runs over, and Edgem starts talking to him and saying, hey, when they're going with the ball screen here, remember, and Alexander Walker's like, yeah. Now, can you imagine that happening on a Friday night in January at Madison Square Garden anywhere? Mm -hmm. <sighs> different. No. It's just different. Yeah. It's, it's different. Yeah. And it's awesome. It's a, it's a great difference. If Canada does well at this tournament, heaven. If they push them in the final, they if already they have done. Well. No, no. Like I mean, if they if we're allowed to dream the impossible ah, dream okay. here, uh, do you think it wakes up the U.S. of okay, we can't send just a bunch of guys. We've got to bring out the best. Do you think it shakes up the? Or do you think it's the U.S. team is going to be the U.S. team? They're all coming. They're coming to the Olympics. Yeah. They're not coming. They're coming to the Olympics. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll, they'll so handicap. So. so so then um, let's play it out. Yeah. Let's assume they beat Serbia. Let's assume the U.S. beats Germany. What does a Canada-USA gold medal game look like in your mind's eye? 
I think that's going to be the biggest test of, like we talk about Serbia and the seven footers and their size and the glass. I think that's where Canada's really going to have, um, really going to have some issues. That's going to be where Dylan Brooks is just going to be. Yes. Like you, you almost think he's going to be like your buddy, Brett Laurie, like, you know, 11 Red Bulls deep before the second inning, um, except he probably, <laughs> he probably wouldn't have had any caffeine. He's just that amped up for a goal hey. against USA. Does an NBA game Harry break out there? Does an NBA game break out there? Or does it, does it, is it still, is it still a FIBA game in the final if it's Canada versus the United States? Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm going to get this off my chest. I have never yeah. seen anything more incompetent than FIBA officiating. <laughs> Yes, right. Yeah, that's always there. Yeah, <laughs> there's twenty five thousand people in the building last night, and Luca looks at the ref. He's like, "What? What the fuck? That's not a foul!" And and he, and they eject him. And like, I'm like, "What, what do you mean? Like, what, like what? What's happening here? Um, like, so like there there's still you know you got three people who think the intramural championships the most important. Uh, trophy and yes. they, they drew the assignment on it. So, yeah. um, so they're, game they're through all through. Angel yes. Hernandez. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, marvelous stuff, my friend. Uh, thank you for staying up. Yeah, thank you for staying up late there. I've been following the coverage. You're doing a fantastic job. And hey, the uh, biggest weekend in Canadian basketball in a quarter century and uh, could emerge from this tournament with a gold medal around the neck. It's terribly exciting. Rash, thanks for this. Okay, boys. Always good. So here's a surprise from All Center Presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. New procedure here. We're going to go out over yesterday's Bodog poll question in this segment. And we ask you, which player do you think had a great summer for Coach Talkett? The candidates were Brock Besser, Andre Kuzmenko, Vasily Podkolzin, and other. The winner was? Um, the winner was Brock Besser. Indeed. Percentage? 38. 39. Woo. 33 for Kuzmenko, 26 for and 2% other. Hussein voted other. So Quinn Hughes. Very much deliberated putting Quinn on the ballot here. Pedersen, too. A Ken saw pods at some Abbey morning practices at UBC a week or so ago and was a bit concerned. Was in three or four days I was there. His quicks, first steps and intensity wasn't great. I mean, it's an informal skate, but I hear you. JT was there one day and pods wasn't and Miller brought it. He was super impressed. Hope pods has a great camp, though. Ken was some reporting. <laughs> Warren. From what I saw in a TV interview, I think Coach Talkett had a great summer. He looks great. Said he's close to his old playing weight. He's undefeated. <laughs> Setting a good example in standard. Out of boy, Coach. Kuzmenko actually won it on YouTube. Oh, interesting. Top comment on this from RW Hockey. At the, LOL at the people picking Kuzmenko must have missed your guys' interview with his agent. Canucks are livid with his two-month Bali trip. Guy better produce, or else healthy scratches are going to come quick for him from Rick. I don't think they're livid. I think they were concerned on the front end, and I think they yeah. will monitor closely. But That's the problem with today's day and age. Everything is either 
in love or livid. There's a lot of space in between mm-hmm. those two emotions. Uh, if the team expressed concern about things, mm-hmm. that's different than being livid. Was it because that perhaps it's just no ice over there to skate? Like you can do all the workouts, mm-hmm. but at some point you got to put the Real skates back on. said they found ice. Yeah. Carmen watches the Drew Barrymore show. Yes. Are you familiar? I know she has a show. And every segment is how much she loves this or loves this person or loves. And so it's become a running joke in our household. It's like, who's Drew loving today? Like, what's the greatest thing yes. in the world that's on her show today? Yeah. Any examples or no? I don't pay attention. <laughs> Errors and omissions from yesterday's program. Grady tells me there was none. I noted no, I noted nothing. So wow, carrying right on to Blake's Bodog line of the Funny day. Funny how my first show back, no errors. Hmm. Interesting. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Who you like, what you got. It's kind of your job to collect the error. So in some essence, <laughs> it's on you. Uh, Gabby Dabrowski, Canadian tennis player. Yes. Double specialist. She beat Layla. She did. Canadian on Canadian violence mm-hmm. there. Uh, Dabrowski moves on. And does she have a title in her? Her and her Kiwi partner are the underdogs at plus 185. But they're on a roll right now. Go with the Canadian tomorrow at the U.S. Open. On your Bodog line of the day, has she? Uh, she's gone to a final at Wimbledon. She has never actually won a Grand Slam doubles. Oh, she hasn't really. Well, uh, maybe, maybe mixed. mixed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, in fact, yeah, she has won the mixed yeah. at both the Australian and the French. I have this recollection of it, so it must have been mixed. Yeah, she's won two Grand Slams in mixed, uh, seeking her first Grand Slam career double uh, championship in women's doubles. On Blake's Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us and Rank Wide wherever you get your podcast. Follow on social. That's Twitter, Insta, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.